Come on, greet somebody. Give them a high five, man. Welcome to Believer's Chapel, man. Pumped that you are with us today. Let's go. Man, I was just thinking during worship, like as we sing in holy, 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 you know, you, you know that, that there is the, the heaven chorus, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And you got the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of angels and everything that's on the earth and on the earth and every created thing. Like church, what, like, come on, what is it going to be when you actually begin to think, oh, hail King Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There is this moment in heaven that we get to stand before the throne and stand before Jesus and begin to cry out just in all glory, holy, holy, holy. And how amazing, what a scene that will be to be able to be home in eternity with all the saints crying out, holy, holy, holy. Just spending like thousands of years maybe just on our face before him, I have no idea. We get a little little picture of our responsibilities in heaven and different things and gold streets and the mansions that he's built us and just I think a lot of it is just going to be us <laughs> so beautifully in his presence. incredible worship and incredible praise to be able to see him face to face and to be able to truly worship him with all the saints. Man, what, what a sliver we have here, man. We're so blessed in who we are as a church. So blessed at Believer's Chapel. I love this, but man, we're just, ah, we're, we're, like, we're like a dot. What is it going to be? Think about this, man. Like, what is it going to be to go home what is it going to be to be before the throne and be able to worship him and honor him and glorify him with the millions and the millions and the millions and the millions and the millions of saints who are amazed at their king, their savior, their Lord, to give him the praise that he so rightfully deserves. I pray that we're able to do that right here. I pray that we have a little sliver of that in our time on Sunday as we gather and as we assemble. There's something special about our time on Sundays and our time of worship and our time of praise. I love being with the church. I love this church. I love Believer's Chapel. I love you as a people. I love being together and just being able to worship and praise being able to have communion together this morning as we just we look to what Jesus said and he just simply said don't forget it man don't, don't, don't forget what it took and amazing that you see this picture unfold at the last supper where Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples and he, he brings out the bread and he brings out the, it was wine at the time and he gives them kind of a pregame to what's going to happen can you imagine sitting there as, as a part of the 12 and, and Jesus brings out the bread and he said, listen, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Could you imagine them kind of looking at each other? Like this was the last supper, like Jesus is present. He's right there. He's like body broken. For you. I didn't know you broken an elbow or a leg or what did you, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean your body broken? Even though Jesus gave the pregame, 
Several times Jesus told them, this is what's gonna happen. I'm here, um, I'm gonna get arrested, I'm gonna die on a cross, uh, I'm gonna be resurrected on the third day. Oh, they're like, I don't know whatever happened, they just didn't get it. And then he, then he brings out the wine and he brings out the juice and he says, hey, this is new covenant in my blood, has representation of my blood. Every time you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Like, I, I would love to be in the heads of the disciples of when that actually clicked. Like, when did that actually settle in? Was it when he was on the cross, bleeding out as a sacrifice? Was it at the resurrection? Was it at his ascension? Like, when was it? This is what he was talking about. The other night when we were at dinner, when he said, my body will be broken and my blood is going to be shed. And he said, guys, listen, guys, listen, don't forget it. Remember me. Church, it's times like this and moments like this. I love being together as the church. We celebrate through worship and praise and we honor him and we're amazed by him. But it's a moment like this in communion that is like, no, Jesus, it is all about you. No, Jesus, you are the center of our attention. And amazing that it's prophesied 700 years beforehand in Isaiah 53 exactly what was going to take place, and that was looking to the cross. And, and it kind of is a perfect picture of, of what was going to take place. He's going to be bruised. He's going to be crushed. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be flogged. And it's for your peace, and it's for your transgressions, and it's for your healings, and it's for your iniquity. And it just goes down this whole thing of our salvation only came through him in, in Jesus' sacrifice on a cross all prophesied in Isaiah 53, 700 years beforehand. So everything in the Old Testament, Isaiah was looking to this magnificent, amazing center of attention of the universe of Jesus, who is God on a cross for the payment of our sin. And then you and I, New Testament saints, look back to the cross. And Jesus made this statement in the New Testament. Sean, remember me. Remember what it took for your sins to be forgiven. Remember my body. Remember my blood. Remember the sacrifice. Remember the hit that I took for you. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever take it for granted. I'm just curious, like, when does that click in for you and I? Like, when does that truly click? God, I get it. I, I get it. No, I know that I'm saved and I'm born again, but no, I get what it means in communion to remember you. I, I can't ever take this for granted. No, Jesus, you've got to be the center of our attention. Everything we think, say, and do revolves around the amazing work of the cross. Where Sean Orbergfeld was before I understood the work of the cross compared to where Sean Orbergfeld is now post-cross. I get it. I'm born again. I am saved. I am saved. I actually have everlasting eternal life because God loved me and gave his son for me. And I get that, Jesus, you put yourself on the cross for me in my place. You paid a debt that I could not pay myself. That was the price for my freedom. And you've said, Sean, don't forget it. Don't ever take it for granted. 
don't ever make it less than what it truly is. It is the center of our attention. Without the shedding of blood, we can have no forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.22 is so clear. Had Jesus not died on the cross, we would have no hope. Church, we'd have no hope. So, man, as we take communion together this morning, man, I just ask that you just kind of get yourself into a place spiritually to be reminded again. Jesus, without you, I have no hope. If my eyes had never been opened to recognize the sacrifice you made for me on the cross, I would be eternally forever lost because of my sin. Because of my sin. But Jesus, you took that hit from me. I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. I want you to just think on that. Like, where are you in this right now? Do you know Christ to save you? Do you realize, just with your heads bowed, I want you to hear this, man. Do you know the Bible says the wages of sin is death? Every single person deserves death because the wages of that sin is death. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it just puts us all on the exact same playing field, every single person who's ever breathed deserves death. Death means to be eternally separate from God. But God's love for you and I superseded that to say, God, has, God says, I've got the plan. I've got the solution to that. You don't have to walk in eternal death. I love you so much that the solution is my son, my only begotten son, to die in your place. The death of sin is going to be placed on my son. So it never has to be placed on you. For those who would believe and those who would accept Christ as Lord. To those who would repent from their sin and turn away from their wickedness and call sin, sin. Acknowledge their sin. Repent from their sin. And believe that Jesus, you're the answer. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. That's it, man. It is Jesus only. I want to crush any idea of religion or crush any idea of church attendance or crush any idea of good works or kindness. It's Christ, and it's Christ alone. It's not what denomination you belong to. It's not what religion you came up in. It's not your past. It's not your baptism. It's not confirmation. It's not, we could go down a long list of religious acts. It's none of that. It's Jesus on a cross for you. He said, remember me. Do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? John 3 says, unless one be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven born again and the only way to be born again is through Jesus Christ on the cross for you turn away from your sin believe that Jesus Christ died for you raised up on the third day alive right now sitting at the right hand of the father amazing and then confess that he is Lord
Jesus, you are Lord of my life. In this moment, I turn away from my sin. I acknowledge you. I get it. The work of the cross was for me. You on a cross was a sacrifice for my sins. I get it. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And I call on the very name of Jesus for my salvation. Jesus, save me. Come on, if you would open your cups, please. What is it to be reminded again today? Just a great reminder. When the Bible says in Romans that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, when Jesus died on that cross, he took my shame, he took my guilt. He paid that price for me. I have no guilt, I have no shame. There's no condemnation. Jesus, you paid, you truly paid it all. You paid the price and bought me back in full. There's no pieces left over, church. He paid the price in full, and I am fully paid for. I have been bought back. I have been ransomed. I have been justified, and there is a beautiful day that I get to stand before the Father in judgment and be declared innocent and justified because of the blood of His Son. I know that to be true. If you're in this place and you're struggling with holding on to sin or, or holding on with the dread of sin or holding on to like, could he actually forgive me? Know that God's grace is enough. And the blood of Christ has covered all sin, past, present, and future. I don't want you to struggle with that. I want you to come to the table today and realize when Jesus says, for this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink this, every time, that, that means now, today, he says, remember, I am free. I am forgiven. Come on, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead, please same way he took the cup and said, there's a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this. I love those words. He says, do it in remembrance of me. Come on, church. Go ahead, please. Katie's just going to close us out here. Come on. Amen. You are worthy of it all.
you that we are safe. We thank you that we are saved. We thank you that we have been redeemed and that we have been justified. God, I pray for a great abundance of joy and in peace and knowing who we are in you. We are in Christ by the precious work of the cross. Lord, you are worthy. I pray that this drive us to worship you and to honor you and to walk in obedience to you and to serve you. Jesus, you are our king and we honor you and we love you. We thank you. Hallelujah. All hail King Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the cross. We bless your holy name in this place this morning. In Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Amen. So good. Miss Katie, thank you. I love it. I love it. I love it. Come on. Hey, we're going we're gonna to not preach from Philippians today. We are going to get into this conflict in Israel. I just feel it's so important as we have been praying and fasting this week and just asking God for great direction for this morning as a church. And God, listen, we're just, we're dot, man. We're just a sliver. But I believe we have a word today that I want to encourage you. I want to build you in this. And I want, maybe many are like, what really is happening in Israel? Why are the Jews always, always under attack. I mean, they've been hated forever, truly. They've been hated forever. Why is, why is Israel always under attack now even as a nation? They became a nation May 14th, 1948. Like within that year, they became under even more severe attack of all of their neighbors around them because they wanted them wiped out. Like it's just, it's just a, they get a victory and then they get attacked. They get a victory and then they get attacked. At church, we know, I'm sure every person in this building knows what happened uh, last week, Saturday. And I hope that we have been praying and I hope that we have been fasting and believing and trusting for God's chosen people as we're called to do. And we'll see that today. We'll get into this a little bit today. But I just want to kind of answer the question, why Israel? Like, why are they under conflict constantly? And like, like this, wasn't, this isn't like the first time that they've been attacked. It's, it's, it's the worst attack for Israel in 50 years since 1973. It's the worst. They've had over 1,000 people killed in, 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 a, in a surprise attack that took place unprovoked and unnoticed. And it was just a horrific, you hear of all the stories now. You hear of the evil of Hamas. You know that this is a terrorist group. You know that they are evil. You've heard what they've done to women and children. You've heard what they've done to families. You've heard what they've done. Like you hear these evil, evil reports from, from people who, who aren't talking about fake news, from people who aren't giving out false pictures. That there's people that I trust in where I get my information. And church, it, it was a thousand people killed. Could you imagine? And maybe you've heard this comparison. I've, I've seen this comparison that in, 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 two, in, in our 9-11 attack, we lost nearly 3,000 people, which was enormous. And, and our response to that by losing 3,000 people, what a response we had to that, what that did to this country still to this day, what that did to our nation, losing 3,000. Listen, here's a comparison to their 1,000 would have been like 30,000 Americans dying in that day. 
Okay, our response as a country from 3,000, could you imagine what it would have been if we would have lost 30,000 people in 9-11? Our response from 3,000 was severe. Could you imagine an terrorist attack that would have taken 30,000 of our population? That's, that's what this means to Israel right now. And I, want to, I want you to write down some names. I'm just going to tell you some, some people that, you, that, that as I trust, as I listen to, have been listening to these people for years. Um, be careful on where you get your news from. Be careful if you listen to mainstream. That's foolish. I don't want to call you a fool, but that's foolish. This is political, but as you've heard from me on every level, like when you see things happening in the world, that are political, you have to get the spiritual basis of that. Why is this spiritual? Like there's two teams, there's God, there's Satan, and there's always two teams at, at war. There's good, there's evil, there's light, there's dark. We know this, right? Two sides. So one side uh, it versus the other side, and you see this, biblically speaking, what does this mean and why Israel? Why do they hate Israel so much? Why do they hate Jews so much? Now, when you look at it politically, you can see it one way, but we as Bible lovers, we love the word of God. We believe the word of God is what we need in this. God speak to us from this. We see a biblical perspective on this and get, get a, a, a different picture from what your news might tell you. First gentleman, I ask you to write down his name. His name is Amir, and it's A-M-I-R, and it's Safadi. That's his name. Maybe you know him. I've been watching him for years. He is... Uh, he is Jewish. He is even now in Israel now. He is a Messianic Jew, which means he is a Jew who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. He loves the Bible. Uh, he loves Jesus. He loves prophecy. He loves his people, right? And that's A-M-I-R, and this is how you spell his name, T-S-A-R-F-A-T-I. That's, that's how you say and pronounce and, and spell his name. If you want good information on this, I'm just trying to help you guys out and give you some, some names. I'm a big fan of Jimmy Evans. Uh, he has got a good handle on prophecy. He's got a good handle on this. I've been watching him years in the sense of his, his marriage today and him and his wife are huge, been huge on marriage information and just trying to lead people in great marriage. He's moved into prophecy and end times, which is powerful. Jimmy Evans is fantastic. I'm a fan of CBN, not CBS, not a fan of CBS. This is CBN. This is Christian Broadcast Network. I was trying to come up with a, uh, what CBS means to me, and that would be some swear words with the S, so I couldn't, <laughs> you could imagine, so I couldn't really do that with CBS. Rhymes with hit, but anyways, um, amen. Jesus, forgive me. Look at all you judging me right now. I got it. Christian Broadcast Network is solid, and they'll give you the right information. And then I'm sure you have your people you follow, but I encourage you to hear it from the right source of a biblical perspective, please, because it's very important. I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy, please. We're going to go to several different places, and I want you to see the significance of this. And we have been praying. We prayed on Tuesday. We had men's meeting then we had staff meeting, and we have been praying, and we've been fasting daily. We've been fasting in the beginning of the week, but we've been praying daily, and just really 
asking God to do a miracle and asking God to move and praying for many different things, which we'll pray at the end of service as well. I hope that you've been praying for the peace of Israel, and I hope that you understand what it is to stand with Israel, to stand with God's people. We're going to look at that briefly today on why that is so important, that he blesses those who stand with his people and he'll curse those who come against them. That's a promise. Genesis 12, that's a promise. The United States of America has been known to stand with Israel. And church, I, 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 this is not thus saith the Lord. I don't know where this would be in chapter, in verse. But I know America, man, we have, we have turned a horrible corner of insulting and mocking God in this country. From the level of abortion to the level of mocking marriage and mocking male and female and just mocking so many different areas of biblical truth. America has mocked God on so many different levels. And I do ask myself so many times, God, what is holding back your judgment? Listen, I'm, I don't want his judgment to come. But God will judge sin. We know that. We've seen that. And it's just praying and, and just saying, God, what is holding back your judgment? Again, this is not thus saith the Lord. This is me. And it may be, maybe it is because we still stand with Israel. Maybe. Church, it's a big deal for a country to stand for Israel and to stand up for the wrongs and what's taking place. And we're a country that does that. We've always done that. We, we've, we've slipped a little bit here and there. Um, but I want, I want government that's going to hold the line firmly, unashamed of standing with, with Israel and God's chosen people. And maybe, maybe that's what's holding back God's judgment. Maybe. The day that we give up our stance on Israel will be a very dark day for the United States of America. You need to keep this in mind when you go to the polls. There's so much you need to keep in mind right now when you go to the polls. But this is one of those huge issues. As God says, if you're against Israel, I'm going to curse you. If you're for Israel, I'm going to bless you. And maybe we still fall under the blessing part of this. So I want you to see this because when we get to see why, why is there such a, a hatred for Israel? And listen, a week ago, Saturday wasn't the start. We know this. Like when you begin to put this in biblical perspective, you see, you see Moses, right? You see where Moses in Exodus 1 was a baby because Pharaoh was like, no, we're going to take out all of the Jewish boys. We are going to eliminate the Jewish boys, kill them all, throw them in the Nile. As soon as they're born, this is the evil. As soon as they're born, you need to throw that crying baby into the, into the river. That was trying to annihilate the Jews. Exodus 1, Moses floated down the river and saved his people. You see it in Esther. You see where, where Haman wanted to kill and annihilate the Jews. Esther, by God's grace, got in the way of that. We have, uh, obviously, a more recent with the Nazis and Hitler who tried to eliminate the Jew, had a hatred for the Jewish people. Hatred, wanted to eliminate them with evil and awful, awful things. So this isn't anything new. There's history to this not just in the United States of America, not just in Germany, but through history of, of a biblical perspective, there is a hatred for God's chosen people. Why, why is that? There's a spiritual line to this that we need to get. And I want you to see this. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, this is just a great place to begin. It starts in chapter 6. I'm sorry, verse, verse 6. Chapter 7, verse 6. And this is, this is the Lord, and he says this, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. 
For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. I love where he says, listen, out of everybody that's on the planet. I've called you to be a holy people. I've called you to be my people. A people for my own possession. I could have picked anybody. I pick you. Out of all, look what it says, out of all the people on the face of the earth, God says, I've chosen you. And he's speaking to, to the Jewish race. He's speaking to Israel. This is God choosing his people. Now listen, when you understand this, he didn't choose his people because they were right. He didn't choose his people on their merit. He didn't choose his people because they're good. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory. We know, listen, we know Israel's history. Biblically speaking, God moves, they receive, they reject God. God moves, they receive, they reject God. God moves, they receive, worship for a minute, and then they go back into their false eye. Like, it wasn't because these people had it all together. There's something in this that I can't have you miss. There's something in this I need you to see. It wasn't because they were good. It wasn't because they had it all together. A people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than all the peoples, for you are the fewest of all the people. Israel, even you look at the nation of Israel, the country, it's a dot. What is the big deal about Israel? It's tiny, it's a sliver. God says, I didn't choose you because you were the biggest and the best. I didn't choose you because... I didn't choose you because... You're good. I didn't choose you because you're the biggest. I didn't choose you because you have the most number. Matter of fact, you're tiny. You're of the fewest. Watch this. I chose you, but because the Lord loved you, watch this, here it is, highlight this, underline this, and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord brought you out of the mighty hand. He brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Uh, Watch this, watch this. Look at this. This is huge, huge. But because the Lord loves you and kept the oath, which he swore to your forefathers. Listen, God always, always, always keeps his promise. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't choose you because you're the best. I didn't choose you because you're good on your own merit. No, actually, Israel, you're a train wreck. I move, you receive, you reject. I move, you receive it, and then you reject me. This is the pattern. No, you're my people for my own possession because I'm keeping a promise to your forefathers. This is the oath that I made to Abraham, to Jacob, to Joseph, those who've gone before you, those who've reverenced God, those who walked in a fear and obedience to God. It's to those that I gave a promise that there will be a great mighty nation and that you are my chosen people. That 
is why. You are who you are. That is why I've rescued you and I've called you out because I'm keeping my promise. Not because you're good. Not because you're the biggest and the baddest. God says, because I'm faithful. Because I'm faithful. Church, how much to you and I today to realize, no, God, you never break a promise. You, you, didn't, you, don't, you still don't break it today to your chosen people, Israel, to your chosen Jews. God, you don't, you don't break your promise to them today because of an oath you made to their forefathers. And, and, and I want to show you this because you need to see this, that Israel is just a dot. Why is this such a big deal? Like seriously, why are so many people throughout all of history, biblical times to this day, biblical times to last Saturday, biblical times to May 14th, when, when they became a, a nation in 1948, immediately after that, they got attacked. Why? Is it such a big deal for this sliver of land? I want you to see this. I got a list. I want you to see this list. Let's put up the USA. That's not the one. Well, here, you can keep that up. Keep that up. Yeah, go back to that. I want you to, I want you to see that. I love this because here you've got the Middle East. Huge, 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 bigger, bigger, Jordan, bang, Israel. Sliver, that's Israel. This is, this is the battleground. This is Jerusalem. This is where... Like, can you get this? Look at this size. And then, okay, put the USA up there. I found these and I love these. Israel is about 448 times smaller than the United States. So you've, they, they put the uh, uh, outline of the United States over top of the Middle East. U.S., Israel. Like, what's the big deal? It's a, it's a sliver, man. It's a sliver. Let's go to the next one, please. Canada. And these are our friends to the north, right? Israel is 440 times smaller than Canada. Here's the outline of Canada. There's a sliver. There's Israel. Look, look how huge it is compared to all of what's taking place is for this piece of grass, right? Crazy. Come on, let's turn to... Look at China, please. 430 times smaller than China. There's the outline of China. Piece of grass. Just a sliver. Come on, let's look at Russia, please. And, and, and when you put this in biblical perspective, you've got Gog and Magog, and you look at this through Ezekiel 38, and you can begin to see if Russia, which we know they're the end player, one of the end players, comes like huge... Sliver. They are going to be coming against Israel eventually in biblical time. Like you, just look at the size. Israel's a sliver, 779 times smaller than Russia. Look at Germany. 16 times smaller than Germany. We know what happened with the, the Nazi regime. We know what happened with Hitler, right? But let's look at Iran, please. Right, 75 times smaller. These are the neighbors now, right? We're getting in the neighborhood. And we know Iran hates them. We know Iran conflict with Israel is constant conflict. Look how much bigger they are than the sliver. Let's look at Iraq, please. Again, another neighbor, right? 20 times smaller in Iraq than, than Israel. Iraq. And then you look at New Jersey. United States, New Jersey. Do we realize that Israel is about the size of New Jersey? 
So when you see this, I'm like, God, what is the big deal? Spiritually, what is the big deal? Come on, turn with me to Genesis, please, chapter 12. I want you to see this. And this is the promise, man. This is a part of the oath, and this is what the Lord speaks to Abram, Genesis 12, 1. Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and to you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. You've probably heard this verse many times this week. I will bless those who bless you, speaking of the nation of God's chosen people, which is now the nation of Israel. He says, I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Church, it is so important that you stand with Israel. And it's so important. I'm not saying they got it all together. They ain't walking on water. They ain't perfect. But we are called to stand with God's chosen people, period. We are called to stand with God's chosen people. And when you see that God is like, no, I, I am, I'm with you, not because you're good, not because you got it all together. Deuteronomy 7 is humongous. I'm with you because I'm fulfilling my promise to the forefathers. Church, we have to bank on the faithfulness of God. We have to bank on the faithfulness, the true faithfulness of God. Come on, Revelation chapter 12, please. I'm going to get into this. This is a great chapter. You can read the whole chapter. And I believe that this, for me personally, is one of the, one of the loudest. There's, there's several in the word, but this is probably the loudest for me that screams on why. Why is there such a continuous battle to wipe out the Jews? And again, when you really say, okay, yeah, there's a political side to this, but why is there a political side of this? Is because it becomes spiritual, and the enemy can use politics for his work. Right? So when you see that, no, when you put this through a biblical lens and you make this spiritual, why is there so much hatred towards the Jews and towards their nation. And I think, I believe Revelation 12 gives us this picture. And again, we saw, man, it's just, it, it, it's this tiny piece of grass in all of the world, it's a piece of grass. Yeah, there's significance to military strategy to that piece of grass and this, that, and the other, but there's a very real spiritual side Church, when you realize that this is Jesus' walking ground, like this is where Jesus was here on the earth. This is where Jesus was born. This is where Jesus lived. This is where Jesus preached. This is where Jesus died. There's a reason why it's called holy ground. There's a reason why there's a true spiritual side to this thing. It's the place after his resurrection and at his ascension on the Mount of Olives 
that Jesus ascended from the Mount of Olives, which is east of Jerusalem in, in, in Israel, and, and it, he ascended from the Mount of Olives. And the angel was there with his disciples. When the disciples were looking up, the angel said, listen, he's going to come in the same way that he went. And it's talking about his second coming, not talking about the rapture. Listen, I believe and I am now praying. I've always looked for and prayed. But when you see events like this, I believe the day is drawing near. And I believe Jesus could come any moment. I believe that. I hope for that. I long for that. We're called to look for that. We're called to pray for that. We're asking Jesus, come quickly. End of Revelation. Revelation 22. Jesus, come quickly. Jesus, come quickly. You see how evil is getting worse. You see how Hamas and how evil they really are and what they have done to the women and what they have done to the children and what they have done to the babies babies and what they have done. They've made very loud statements. We're going to take your women and we are going to kill the ugly ones and we're going to rape the pretty ones. Do you, do you see the evil of what is taking place? Do you understand the murder? Do you understand the beheadings of babies and infants? All of this is accurate. They've taken babies and beheaded them in their hatred for God's chosen people. This is a holy land. In the same way that Jesus left, we see it in, Zech I believe, Zechariah 14, verse 4, is a prophetic picture of Revelation 19. You can go back and you can read those and look at the similarities. There's some question on that. I am one who biblically sees it as Zechariah 14 is a prophetic picture of Revelation 19 where the Bible says that Jesus is going to return in Zechariah 14. Jesus is going to return and he's going to put his feet. This is the second coming. Jesus is going to return. He's going to put his feet on the Mount of Olives. The, the same way that he left is the way that he's coming back. And Jesus returns to Israel, that holy land, and he puts his feet right on the Mount of Olives. This is where he returns. Guess who's coming with him, church? Me and you on the horses, and we're coming back, and we're going to see a mighty war. This is when all of the, the nations will come against the sliver. Revelation 19 gives this picture. There's nation after nation after nation after nation that all gather to take out God's chosen people in this piece of grass. And Jesus shows up mightily by angelic work and just wipes them all out. This is an amazing picture for this small little piece. But you don't think Satan knows this? He hates Israel. He hates God's chosen people. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back at the Mount of Olives. And he's coming back with you and I. And he's going to have an angel rip into Satan, the demon, and the, the devil, and tie him up with a chain for a thousand years. Like, I love this picture. But he's coming back to Israel east of Jerusalem, to stand on that mountain, that which he left. Look at this in Revelation 12. We'll pick it up in verse 12. And I need you to see something. When you read through Revelation 12, I encourage you to go and read through the whole thing. When you see the term the woman, that is, that is a reference to Israel. This is not a reference to the Mother Mary. This is a reference to Israel when it speaks of the child, that is a reference to Jesus. Here's where, here's where it gets good. Here's where you begin to, begin to really unfold. Why Israel? 
Why is there such a hatred for God's people? And you got to understand this. What is the driving force behind it? It's not politics. It wasn't Hitler. It wasn't Pharaoh. It wasn't Haman. Who is their driving force? When you see that this is Satan, and you see what Revelation 12 reveals, I want you to, I want you to get it today, man. I want you to see this for what I believe it says in, in, in Revelation 12, verse 12. It says this, For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Get this. The devil has great wrath. He has great anger. He hates God. He hates Jesus. He hates anything made in God's image, which is us. And he knows I've got a short time. I, I am released now, but my time is limited. Satan knows that he's on the clock. Satan knows that his time is limited. He knows that he has short time to do everything he possibly can do. He knows the Bible, church. He hears the preaching. He knows the Bible. He knows what's going to take place. He knows Revelation 19. He knows where Jesus is going to come stand. He knows what's going to take place. He knows it all. He knows he's on the clock. He's got short time. And I want you to see this. Look at this. Verse 13, and when the and when the dragon saw that he was thrown down from the earth, he persecuted the woman. He persecuted the woman. That's Israel. Don't forget it. That's Israel. He persecuted the woman. That's a people group. He persecuted Israel who gave birth to the male child. Church, when you understand that Israel gave us our Messiah, Jesus came through Israel. His heritage is of the Jewish nation. Jesus, we know Jesus is Jewish. We know his heritage. But when you, when you try to unfold Revelation 12, you begin to see, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are the Jewish people so hated? For thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Because when Satan was kicked out of heaven. He was kicked to earth. And he was filled with a great wrath. And he persecuted God's race, God's chosen people. Please see this. Watch. Verse 13, And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down from the earth and persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child, that's Israel, that's Jesus. And then here's God's protection. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that they could only fly in the wilderness to her palace where she was nourished for a time and times and time and time, for a time and a half, that's three and a half years, from the presence of the serpent. And when the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, that's, this speaks of a hatred. When he poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, that's Israel, so that she might cause her, that he might cause her to be swept away by the flood. 
but the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and drank up the water which the dragon poured out of his mouth. This is all God's protection. And then verse 17, look at this. This is huge. So the dragon was enraged. As much as he tried to take out God's chosen people. Because Israel gave us our Messiah. Israel gave us the word. So the dragon was enraged. He was filled. It just means he was filled with anger. He was enraged with the woman who's Israel. He was enraged with Israel. And they went off to make war with the rest of her children who kept the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Church, you can say Satan hates everybody. Yes, he does. He hates me. He hates you. I'm a Gentile. I am so thankful that God Almighty has included me in the salvation package. These are his chosen people. This is his chosen land. This is the holy land. And I'm so grateful that God saw the need for all of mankind to come into this great grace of forgiveness and salvation. But there is a special place of hatred for Satan to God's chosen Jewish people. When you see the attacks of the past, you see the attacks of a week ago. This is spiritually driven from those who are under the hand of Satan himself. This is a long-term battle for Satan knew from Genesis time that Israel would give us our Messiah give us our Savior and give us his word. Why Israel? Satan hates God. Satan has a dark wrath and he is enraged. And he hates Jesus. And he hates the people who gave us Jesus. Come on, let's get to some some good news. Psalm 121, please. I want you to see this. Psalm 121. And church, I am, I am, I'm just speaking to me personally, man. I have been praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I've been praying. I'm praying that, that, there are so many of the Jewish race that truly come to Jesus in this. They recognize Jesus as Messiah. Sometimes it's difficult for those who, who have put so much into the Old Testament, which is important, but, but they won't claim Christ as Messiah. And we're asking what they would consider to be a Messianic Jew, a Jew who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus truly is the only answer. It's not just the Torah. It's not just the Old Testament. It's, it's not just the Ten Commandments. It's, not, it's now New Testament. It's now Jesus as their Messiah. And they need to call on the name of Christ for true salvation. And we are praying and believing that many would come to know him. I am praying for the families that have such loss and such sorrow and such grief to even fathom what could be taking place with your daughter or your wife, even fathom what could be taking place with your child or infant. 
praying for the Israel military, which is one of the highest marked militaries in the world, that they would be on target and they would do what they said they're going to do and wipe them all out. It's evil. I'm praying for wisdom for the military leaders. I'm praying for precise attacks. Look at church, whatever the country will, will fly and drop thousands and thousands and thousands of pamphlets and make it known that we are coming. Get out of town because we're coming. Like Hamas didn't do that on the attack. Hamas wanted to kill as many people as they possibly could kill, man, woman, and child, for the purpose of destruction out of hatred. Israel is letting them know we're coming for Hamas. And if you are not of Hamas, you should leave because we're going to level the place. Like what an amazing, graceful warning, wouldn't you think, that wasn't afforded to them. And then I am praying for the protection from God himself in the sense of I read scripture and I see where God has intervened through nature so many times. God has intervened when the world was filled with wickedness, where it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. That's God Almighty who created nature that has nature at his voice to say rain. And it flooded the earth, killed them all. I see where God called what was taking place in Sodom and Gomorrah a gross immorality of homosexuality, man with man. And God says this is a deep, deep, large immorality and he called firebombs down from heaven because he's in charge of nature to wipe out wickedness. I see in number 16 where God opened the earth and swallowed evil. Just opened the earth, <laughs> swallowed an army. I see New Testament tells us in the end times he is going to use hail that is 75 pounds each, like bombs of hail, and there will be fire. And we Listen, God can do whatever he wants to wipe out evil. And honestly, man, I've been saying, God, let this be a mighty work of you that you would come in and do a work that only God gets the glory and only God gets the credit that there will be so many that see the mighty hand of God and the outstretched arm of God Almighty that would come in in great, great fury to take out evil and only God would get the credit. Did you, God, did you see, whoa, did you, ah, what just, God, what just happened? That was God. There was fire from heaven. The earth opened up and they all just did like, he can do that. He's done that. Nothing's impossible for God. God hates evil. And this is evil. And I'm asking God, I want to see your mighty hand move. Church, seriously, who am I? Like we're we're just nobody's from nowhere. We're slivering only in New York, but asking God to do something powerful to save his people. And we see it, man. We see it in Psalm 121. And I love this that this truly is God who keeps eating. God who keeps Israel. And he says this, he says this in verse three, for he will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God didn't fall asleep a week ago. God, God, God didn't get lazy. I know God can use this evil, turn people back to him. 
turn his people back to him. I want to see God do a mighty work in this. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming forth from this time forth and forever. Church, that is today. That is today. God Almighty is the protector of Israel. From this time forth, that was written then and forever. That is now. That is now. 122 verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. Church, we need to pray for the peace of Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. And I'm asking God to move in a powerful, powerful way. If it means by nature, God, you remove evil, then by nature, God, remove evil. Or if you would stand with me, please, as we pray. If you came with a loved one, would you just kind of grab their hand? came with a friend or whatever that looks like. I don't want to, like this is if you came with a stranger, don't make it embarrassing. Don't make it awkward. Just if you know somebody, you love somebody, you came with a friend, you came with a group. Let's just ask God to move on behalf of his chosen people, shall we? Father, we just we acknowledge that God, we are just a group of people. We're an assembly. We're one single, simple little sliver of a congregation. We know that, God. We truly come humbly before you. God, we come humbly before you as a people to say, God, would you would bless Israel and that you would bring peace upon your people. God, we lift up the families who have been so broken through this. Communities that have just been ravished and destroyed. Children that have been murdered women who've been abused, women who've been murdered, for those who are still taken hostage. God, these are evil people. And we pray for the military to come with such force, with such precision. God, that you would bless this this military. God, that you would be with the generals, that you would be with the commanders, that you would be with the soldiers, men and women who are on the ground. God, you, I ask that you would be with the 400,000 that were called up from reserves that are, God, they just seem like they're excited to get in the fight. They've been called up from reserves. And when you begin to hear their stories, it, it's an honor for them to fight for their people. God, I pray that you bless that. Lord, I pray that they would find every single one of them those who've done evil and God that they would be eliminated bless the military bless the soldiers, bless the commanders give them wisdom, give them strategic advantage God Father we pray truly for the souls of men and women and children who don't know you through this 
But God, they would call on Jesus as the Messiah. They would once again see your mighty hand work and your mighty hand move. That they would come to know Christ as Messiah. God, that you would call your chosen people for your own possession, that you'd call them back to you through this. Oh God, they didn't come to know you, God. They would come to honor you as Savior and Lord. And Father, whatever it takes, Lord, I just pray that you would do a mighty work through nature, if possible, whatever it takes, to assist the military, whatever it takes, to eradicate this type of evil. That God, you would receive the glory and that you would receive the honor. Father, we ask that you would bless your people and that you would protect your people. You'd move on their behalf in a powerful way. We ask this in the holy, precious name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, we'll close in a song. I know it's a minute past. If you've got to go, I get it. But if, if you need prayer for any reason, you want to talk more about Jesus, we'd love to talk about Jesus. Come right up front, man, and we would love to pray over you. As Katie is singing, come on, let's just close it out. If anyone needs prayer.